This is the Encounter Community Church podcast, where we will take one or two nuggets from Sunday's message and look at how we can take, utilize, and apply it to our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church podcast. My name is Ken Dollar Jr. I'm the pastor here at Encounter Community Church, and I am so, again, excited to have you with us this evening. Maybe I need to work on changing that wording, huh? Because it seems like I'm excited every week. But let me tell you, I am excited every week. Because, again, it it does mean a lot that you would take time out of your schedule to listen to these podcasts. Because I'll tell you, I wonder, the same thing that any other podcaster does is how many people are listening to this podcast? Are they being encouraged, uplifted to this podcast? And are they coming back to the podcast? So you're here either because of one or two things. You're either listening for the first time, and for that I say thank you, or you're coming back because you've enjoyed the podcast that we've had in the past. And for that to you, I also take a moment to say thank you. I appreciate you, and again, I appreciate your time. However it is that you're listening to this podcast, whether you're listening to it in your car while you're driving, whether you're listening to it while you're walking or jogging or exercising, or whether you're listening to it as you're cleaning up around the house, (laughs) you know, however it might be. Again, I just want to take this moment to say thank you so much. You know, it's really interesting because I I came across an article today that I thought was, uh, that, that caught my eye. And it said something along the lines of Gavin Newsom had a difficult time trying to have California shut down because of COVID-19. And it said these words, it may be even trickier to have California open back up. And it is true. I mean, mean, there's no doubt if you've been watching the news at all, you know that there has been an increase in the number of cases of COVID-19 here in California, as well as I think in 22 other states across the United States. So that's kind of concerning. As we open everything back up, what, what are the risks? Because, of course, we don't want to go back to the place where we have to shut everything back down once again. Because, you know, who wants that? No one. No one wants that. So, again, how do we navigate that? And, and as I think about that, you know, one of the things that, we, that I asked on Sunday uh, in my message is I asked, what is it that you're looking forward to opening back up? I, I think about that for you. Some of you. I've already been there, right? You were, you were looking forward to saloons opening back up so that you could be able to go get your hair done. Uh, I mean, we can go through the list. Again, for me, one of the things I'm looking forward to opening back up is movie theaters, to be able to go and be able to see some really great Marvel flicks. Uh, speaking of movies, I do want to take a step back for a second. My family and I watched a movie this weekend called just Mercy, starring um, Michael B. Jordan. He, got, he played Killmonger and Black Panther. And he's also in a movie called Chronicles. He's, been, he's, he's, he's a popular face right now. And uh, he was in it. Jamie Foxx was in it. And, and there's some great character actors uh, that were in, the, in it as well. But it, it was a, it's a really, really good Oh, Brie Larson uh, is in it. That's right. But she's not playing Captain Marvel. <laughs> she's not flying or anything like that, but, but she's in it as well. 
But one of the things I really loved about this movie is it, it really gave a sense of why we need racial reconciliation, why we need to deal with some of the racial challenges that exist within our culture. So I, I think it's important to watch movies like that uh, to be able to learn how to navigate this. And you know, it, it's really interesting to see how America is also responding to this racial tension. And, and so I, you know, I, I'll go ahead and I'll put it out there because we've seen like, we've seen some statues that have been either defaced or taken down. Uh, we, we, we've seen just some people who have made statements in the past that are racially insensitive, how those people are losing their jobs. Uh, we've also seen how there are some shows that people are looking at and going back and some of those shows are being removed off of, off of um, airplay. You know, for example, I think in 30 Rock, Tina Fey had a couple of her shows removed because they had blackface in it. So, and I look back at some of these changes, and I think that they are good. I think it's, it's healthy, and I think that those things need to be dealt with. Some of those things that we're, we're, we are trying to remove, people, I just want to encourage you to go back and do your research before you remove them. Because a statue that I saw that was defaced, um, it was, I think it was in Minnesota, but the statue was of a guy who was in colonial times, yes, but he also was an abolitionist. Uh, he also was someone who had actually donated money to African-American schools to help children be able to get an education. So if there was a Black Lives Matter, he was kind of starting it <laughs> back then, the staunch abolitionist, and it was, a, it was really unfortunate. And I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. I apologize for that. Uh, maybe I should have done research before, or at least found the name out before doing the podcast. But you can look it up. Uh, in Minnesota, an abolitionist whose statue was defaced. And they wrote colonizer un underneath it. Without actually doing research and finding that this guy's statue is one of honor. We kind of defaced that. Uh, there was another statue of Ulysses S. Grant that was torn down. And do we realize, like, who he fought for? <laughs> it, it wasn't for the Confederates, right? He fought for the Union. He fought for the freedom of slaves. And some people say, well, yeah, he owned a slave. But what they don't realize, and you may not realize if you haven't done research, is he actually set that slave free before the Civil War even started. And then not only that, he also was responsible for legislation that would try to put handcuffs on white supremacy. Uh, he also tried to lead legislation to allow blacks to be able to vote. And yet his statue's taken down. So it's important for us to realize that just because a statue is old, <laughs> just because a statue may be someone who is white, do some research first. And I'm not advocating defacing statues, but, but what I'm saying is it's important for us to begin to take a step back because the, the very thing that we're trying to, I guess, convey 
these statues of certain individuals represented that, and those are the statues that are being defaced and removed. So I, I think it's important for us to begin to dialogue. And, and here's the other thing that I wanted to talk about real quickly as well, is I, I want to challenge us to be very, very careful. And, and here's what I mean by this, is we are creating this environment where people are not, and, and I'm trying to be careful about the words that I choose, but people are not being allowed to communicate their thoughts and their opinions, especially if they speak about things, if they speak against things like Black Lives Matter and they have an opinion against that, or maybe even have said some racially motivated statements. And I'm talking about like, I, I saw an, in that article, another article that I read that there was a guy who dressed up in a costume in 2004 2004, so we're talking about 16 years ago that he dressed up in this costume. The pictures have come out, the guy lost his job. So I, I look at things like that, and I also look at, again, people being fired for statements. And, and what we're doing is we're creating an environment where people are not free to express a dissenting voice, and that's dangerous. I, I never thought I would be on a podcast advocating to allow a racist to share his opinion. <laughs> never thought I would be in that position as an African-American man, but I am advocating for it, and, and here's the reason why is and actually, there's a couple reasons. One, change happens through conversation. And if I don't have the freedom to express my thoughts or opinions without the fear of being fired, then what I do is I hold those opinions and those thoughts in. And the problem with that then is I'm not able to engage in the conversation that needs to happen so that we can work through our differences. Not only that, let me tell you this. In Kentucky, when I was, I was probably 12, maybe 12 years old, and uh, I went back to Kentucky to go visit a friend, uh, to go visit my family, actually. and. Um, my uncle came and picked me up and took me back to his, his condo. And it was really cool, it was a really great condo. And he said, do you wanna go swimming? And so I was able to get some swim trunks and I went down into the pool and started swimming. And it was great. And while I was swimming, there was a girl that was there and she happened to be white. And so uh, she came over and we started hanging out and, and talking. And, and actually I wasn't really interested in her, we were just, we were just talking. And these guys came over and they said to me, stay away from her, you inward. Now here's the beauty of that, 
is I knew at that point exactly where I stood. <laughs> and I knew exactly what I needed to do in that moment. That's an example of overt racism, but, but I, I knew exactly who those people were. But when you're in a situation where you are not allowed to communicate your thoughts and opinion and you hold them in, then what happens is if you do come from a racially biased perspective, and it will manifest itself, but now it won't manifest itself vocally. It may, be, it may manifest itself in a sense where I don't hire you. It may manifest itself in a sense where I don't pay you the way that you deserve. It may manifest itself in I don't promote you because I may not think because of your color that you have the intelligence to be able to handle it. But what happens is we go from overt racism to submersive, or, uh, subversive, sorry, or covert racism. And, and let me tell you as an African-American, and maybe I'm just, I'm not, gonna, I'm not speaking for all African-Americans out there. You know, I'm not, I'm not. I'm speaking for me. And I'm saying this. I would much rather for you to call me the N-word to my face. I mean, I like what you say, but at least I know where I stand at. As compared to having you not call me that, have these racially biased opinions, and then what happens is you are subversive in your racism. And then what happens is with the person who calls me the N-word, what I can do is I can begin to look at how do I respond to that? How do, how do I handle that? How do, but now we can begin, we have some ground to start with, right? But if you have to swallow what you say, there is no starting ground because we don't know that the, the, the ground is there. You understand what I'm getting at? So, so I think it's important that we be very careful in how we handle things. You know, we're in the middle of this series called The New Normal. And one of the things that we're, we're looking at is America will not. It will never go back to the same as it was before. Matter of fact, there's a guy named Gideon Litchfield. He wrote an article for MIT Technology Review and he said this, the world has changed many times and it's changing again. All of us will have to adapt to a new way of living, working, and forging relationships. But as with all change, there will be some who lose more than most, and there will be the ones who've lost far too much already. And, and one of the things that we, we looked at, you know, in this is, is how do we handle this new normal? How do we handle this new normal? And I know I talked about racial issues but you know there's some loss there as well some people have lost their careers because of things that they've said some people have lost their careers because of a misunderstanding I, I read about a guy who was fired from his job because he gave the okay sign someone took a picture of it and they submitted it and I guess in some part of America the OK sign is connected with white supremacy. 
And the guy had no idea. He was just showing the okay sign. And that guy got fired, lost his job. And now what are his future perspectives? What are his future opportunities? Because now when they ask him, well, why did you get fired from your last job? Would you hire the guy? Would you hire the guy? So it's interesting. We're not, we're not going to go back to what we were before COVID-19. And we're not going to go back to where we were when George Floyd, before George Floyd lost his life. We're not going to go back. And, and in some ways, maybe I'm grateful for some of it in the sense of maybe it'll bring back the changes that we need that need to happen. However, I think we also need to be very careful in how we handle our loss. Because I think that that's what's happened is some of the defacing, some of the looting, some of the vandalism, some of the level or increase in sensitivity to people who make racial statements, racially motivated statements. Some of that, some of our responses to those things is birthed out of loss. It's birthed out of loss. And again, like, like I said, I'm trying to make sure that I'm very careful in the words that I pick as, as I'm sharing. And, and I please, I'm hoping that it comes across where you're able to hear my heart. But we have to make a commitment to be very careful that in managing our loss, that we don't become as vindictive, as judgmental, as hypocritical, as the person who was a racist. Does it make sense? Because if we do, if, if, we, if we mishandle the way that we deal with that loss, then what you do is unwittingly and unknowingly, you kind of reinforce the mindset of the bigot. You, you reinforce the mindset of the racist. So how do we handle that loss? One of the things that we talked about on Sunday is many times we don't realize what we've turned to, to be able to satisfy our deepest needs, to be able to satisfy our longings. We don't know what we've turned to until we have lost it. Once we have experienced a certain kind of loss, that's when all of a sudden we realize like, oh man, my identity was connected to my job. And now that I don't have my job, who am I? My security was connected to my job. And now that I don't have my job, who am I? Maybe your identity was connected into a relationship and COVID-19 cost you your relationship. And the question now becomes, who are you? Maybe even when we look at some of the racial challenges that we've had, right? Maybe because of your experience with someone who's a racist or a bigot, maybe it costs you something that you were relying on and now you realize that you've lost it. 
And, and so you began to look at who am I? Who am I without this job? Who am I without this relationship? Who am I without this career? Who am I without this education? Who, who, who am I with what it is that I've lost? Who, who am I when I've lost my home? Who, who, who am I when that's being threatened? I, I was read, reading another article today about the LA Times and they were saying that 365,000 people in Los Angeles are in danger of being evicted once the state of emergency is lifted and there's a 90-day period after that. 365,000 people are in danger of being evicted and another 120,000 families may instantly in that moment be made homeless. I mean, when you look at things like that, what do you do when you have faced that kind of loss? And so this is what we, we dug into on Sunday, because we looked at what are the ways that we respond when we have dealt with some kind of loss in our lives? And it's very interesting. I, I want to read a response to how the, how the people in Hebrew, how the Hebrew people responded when they face loss. For example, it says, in Exodus chapter 14, um, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? So basically what's happened is Moses went to Pharaoh, let my people go. Like he did the whole let my people go thing. And then what happens is Pharaoh let the people go. Now they're off and now they're doing their thing. And they were united initially and, and they were going out together. But then they saw Pharaoh and Pharaoh threatened their new life. He threatened a new possibility and the people freaked out. And it says, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. And the truth is they didn't. They said, we want to get out. They said, Moses, we will go with you. They said, Moses, we don't like being slaves. But now their life is threatened. Now they're saying, why didn't you leave us as slaves? It is better to be a slave in Egypt, they said, than a corpse in the wilderness. But God shows up. He does an incredible thing. And then later on, there's another problem. And the people turn against Moses once again and they moan and they complain. It says, then the people in Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So now they're at this point where three days later, after the, after the parting of the Red Sea, and that's what happens with Pharaoh and with Moses at that point where the people rebelled, God shows up big, he parts the Red Sea, they cross the Red Sea, and now, three days later, they're in a position where they are thirsty, and they're longing for water, and they turn against Moses once again. Again, God turns around, God does something incredible, he tells Moses to strike the rock, he strikes the rock, and water comes out, and wow, you know, we're all together, united once again, but now 30 days later, they also hit a situation where they struggle once again. Now they're hungry, they're looking for food, 
And it says this in Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. There too, the whole Israelite community, the whole community of Israel, sorry, complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat, actually that they couldn't eat, and ate all the bread we wanted, which is not true. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. So there are two things I really want to encourage you to be very careful of when you face loss. The first thing to be careful of is what I would call practicing revisionist history. <laughs> Basically what happens is we want change, we're asking for change, we step into the change, we're really excited about the change, and then we hit a challenge. And now what the people did is they began to blame Moses. They begin to say, Moses, we told you to leave you alone. Moses, we told you not to bring us out here. Moses, we told you that this would fail. Moses, what are we gonna drink? Moses, what are we gonna eat? Every moment there was a challenge, the people complained, and they complained because they were practicing revisionist history. But I understand why we, why we do that, right? When, when you face a challenge in your immediate present, you begin to look at pass. You're married and things are really difficult and you find your yearbook and you remember that girl that you dated back in 1993 before you were married and you're tempted to think oh my gosh things were so good back then. She made me so happy. And here's the, here's the thing that we forget. There's a reason why she's your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> There's a reason why you didn't get married. There's a reason why you rolled out of that relationship. But, but we forget that, don't we? We have this job. And we're so excited about this new job at first, but now we face challenges and we think about, man, man, my old boss, if I could just go back to that job, my old boss was so kind and giving. But here's what you forget. Your old boss was the reason you left that job. Because <laughs> he wasn't kind, and he wasn't giving, or she wasn't kind, or she wasn't giving, and you wanted out. That's the reason why you left that job. That's the reason why you left that job. But that's what we do, is when things get challenging in the moment, we practice revisionist history, where we begin to change our past, and we think that our, we, we make our past more appealing than what it really was. So we have to be very careful to make sure we don't fall into that. Or, or the other thing that we do is we begin to blame, right? It, it, it's easier to blame someone than it is to accept responsibility for your decision and for you to change. It's, it's easier to blame someone for your difficulties and not see your part. There's an old saying, you guys might remember this. 
It takes two to tango. In every relationship where there is a conflict, every person is at some level of fault, whoever's in the conflict. Now, let me say this. Some people are far more at fault than others, <laughs> right? Some people are far more at fault. They might be 95% at fault, but you might be 5%. So it's important to make it a point to not be so focused on blaming the other person that you lose sight of where you can grow, that you lose sight of where you can develop, that you lose sight of how you can be healthy, that you lose sight of where you can begin to institute change that will help you to grow and to develop. Again, and, and here's the other thing that I want to encourage you to do as well when you go through challenge. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget the ways that God is. If you are someone who's listening to this and you call yourself a Christian, it's so important for you to not practice theological amnesia. <laughs> And what is theological amnesia? It's simply this. It's when you go through your present moment, you forget how God has been there in the past. You forget. So Israel is at the cusp of the Red Sea, and they see Pharaoh barreling down. What did they forget? They forget how God had delivered them out of Egypt in the first place. Then the Red Sea parts. Three days later, now they find themselves thirsty. What did they forget? They forgot how God had miraculously delivered them out of Egypt, how he had miraculously helped them across the Red Sea, and now they're in a situation where they're facing another impossibility. Then, 30 days later, they're facing a situation where they're hungry, and guess what? They forgot again. They forgot how God had miraculously removed them from Egypt, had miraculously helped them cross the Red Sea, had, when they were thirsty, miraculously have Moses hit his, hit his rod or hit his staff against a rock, and the rock suddenly spews water that they can drink, and now their thirst is satisfied. And every level of challenge, they forgot what God has done. They forgot how good God was and how good God is. So I want to encourage you with that as well. Don't forget, don't forget the ways that God has worked in your life. Matter of fact, here's what I want to encourage you to do is keep a journal. And every time God answers prayer, just write it down. You can write down a long insert or you can just simply write down a, a sentence on what God did. And then when you go through those difficult moments, when you go through difficult times now, like COVID-19, now like the racial challenges that we're facing, when you go through moments like this, pull that journal out and start to look through it to remind yourself of all those times that God has been there for you and he has been with you. Remind yourself of that. Remind yourself of that. So it's important for us to make sure that we do not allow our losses to gain the upper hand of our life. And, and this is where faith comes in. I, I wanna share something that I shared on Sunday 
that I think is really important. And there's a guy named James Stockdale. He's a former vice presidential candidate. He's a naval officer, and he's a POW survivor, former POW. He survived seven years of torture. And so they asked him, who were the people that just didn't make it? And he said, oh, the pessimists, because they just gave up. Anyone who gave up, they were done. And, he, and they asked him, who were you surprised by that didn't make it? And he said, the optimist. I was surprised by the optimist. And, and the reason why I was surprised is, and, and it, what, basically what he said is, the, the reason why it was surprising is because the optimist had false hope. So the optimists were taken into, in, into the POW camp as well. And their thoughts was, we'll be out by Christmas. Well, then Christmas came. We'll be out by Easter. And then Easter came. We'll be out by summer. And then summer came. And then the following winter. So now they're in for a year, two years, three years. And he said, eventually what happened with the optimists is they lost their will to live because they could no longer take their circumstance. And so he's quoted as saying this, and I love this. He says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. So in the midst of your loss, I want to encourage you to have faith. But again, faith is not false hope. Faith is this. God, my life sucks right now. I'm just going to be real with you. This is hard. You know, I prayed for my job and it doesn't seem like that's working out. I prayed for this relationship. It doesn't seem like that's working out. I prayed for racial peace and it seems like things are still just as difficult, if not more edgy than they were when I first started praying this. So, so uh, on edge, I should say. So it's easy in those moments to, again, lose your faith because you put your faith in man, this COVID-19 thing is hit. God's going to clear us by the end of March. And then March came. God's going to clear by the end of April. And then April came. And now we are in late June. <laughs> and things don't still seem to be cleared up. And jobs still are coming slowly. So in that situation, it's, a, it's very important. Faith never denies the current reality of what it is that we're facing and what it is that we're dealing with. It is very honest about itself and what's going on. But then again, what faith will say is this, but God, I trust you. God, I rely on you. God, I depend on you. You are a good God and you will deal with this. So God, I put my faith and my trust and my reliance on you. So let's make a commitment. Not, let's not allow our loss to make us worse or make us just as bad as the people we stand against. Let's allow our losses to fill us with compassion, to fill us with forgiveness, 
to fill us with mercy, to fill us with perseverance, to fill us with commitment, to fill us with a confidence and a determination that no matter what happens, I will press forward. No matter how dark the darkness gets, I will press forward. That, my friends, is faith. And that's what God is asking us to have and to develop in our lives. So I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. It's interesting because I didn't really plan on talking about the racial stuff, but it really grabbed my heart. And, and I really do hope that, that in hearing it, that you've been able to hear kind of where I stand at and just some of my thoughts. And hopefully through this, again, I, I, on the other side of this, there will be change. But it's important, it is vitally important to understand this. If racial reconciliation is going to happen, it will happen because it is led by humility. It will happen because it is led by humility. Yes, will I be angry because of some of the things that have happened? Yes, I will. But I still cannot motivate change unless I lead with humility. If you look at that person who's a racist, it's very easy to look at them and respond in anger. I, I want to challenge us to look at them and respond with compassion and mercy. And who knows, it may grab their heart, it may not. But at least on my end, I haven't done something that I will regret later. Let's respond with compassion, with mercy. With COVID-19, let's respond with passion, perseverance, trusting God, and loving our fellow man. Let's continue to do that. Let's continue to serve. Let's continue to make sure the needs of our neighbors is being taken care of. Again, I wanna take this moment to say thank you so much for your time with me as I begin to wrap up this podcast. I just want to invite you to come on out. We have started our worship services. We're meeting in our parking lot just to minimize the risk of exposure to COVID-19. Uh, every spot is six feet apart from one another. Uh, so, because we have boxes marking spots in our, in our parking lot. So come on out Sunday at 1030 as we continue the series called the new normal. And, and here's what we're actually gonna be looking at this week, is how do we have those tough conversations where we deal with people who think, act, and believe differently than we do? We're gonna dig into that this Sunday because that's gonna be part of the new normal as well, is learning how to deal with that. So hopefully you can be there. If not, watch our live play of, our, of the message that we're gonna have this Sunday. We'll, we'll uh, release a video on Facebook, on YouTube, a video premiere. 
you'll have a moment to worship. You'll also have a moment to hear the message and everything as well and be encouraged by that. And with that, remember, encounter is about three things. Love up, love out, love in. Let's fall madly and passionately in love with God. Let's love our fellow man. And I've been talking about that for the whole podcast, so I won't go into too much detail now. And also, love yourself. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Make sure that you're getting rest. Make sure that you're exercising. Make sure that you are taking the steps needed so that you can be as healthy as possible. And hopefully, we'll be done with this COVID-19 challenge soon. Well, take care. God bless you. I'll be back with you once again next week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you're looking for a way to get more connected to our church, head over to our website at encountercommunity.church. You can see the times of our services as well as the events that are happening at our church. And you can feel free to come out and join us. Also, if you'd like to make a donation to our church, allowing us to continue to make a difference in our community, then you can head over to the page that says online giving and you can follow the link from there. Well, take care. God bless you. And we're looking forward to seeing you once again next week.